dangerously close. This episode is brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that William Mitchell Audio has been a sponsor and a friend of the show since episode one. And if you've been paying attention, I've been doing unsanctioned underground wrestling for William Mitchell Audio. But certain members of the California Pizza Kitchen community think they can walk in here and wave some frozen pizzas around and tell me that I have to use all of my creativity for their ad. And that if William Mitchell Audio's ad is more creative than the ad that I do for California Pizza Kitchen, then they want beef. Well, I've got one thing and one thing to say only. Some people want ad creativity. I just want everyone to be happy. California, William Mitchell, audio.com, pizza kitchen. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Sam Ray. Sam is an international strategist, writer, and traveler. He grew up in the multicultural San Francisco Bay Area with a liberal teacher, mother, and a conservative stockbroker father, which gave him a natural desire to bridge cultural and political differences. In the 2000s, Sam recognized a friend needed rescuing from a bully, so he studied bullying psychology. He later discovered he had accidentally become an expert in the psychology of narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths when others kept asking for help. Sam went on to write his dream book, Explaining America. What's up, Sam? Oh, just happy to be here. So happy, happy to, to have here. you here, man. I hope that this, this wasn't a setup for you to sh show up and tell me that I actually happen to be a narcissist or a psychopath. Uh, from what I've heard of several shows, you're not even in the ballpark. All right. <laughs> not that you can tell that easily, but you know, it's, uh, usually, yeah, well, actually you're definitely not a psychopath because you have real emotions. I can see that on your face <laughs> and same as sociopath too, but they are good at faking it as one of the top experts, uh, Dr. Robert Hare, he's the man who invented the psychopath checklist. He um, he's described it as something to the effect of every morning the psychopath wakes up and puts on a mask and says it's showtime. So they're they're they are very good at mimicking emotions. But, you know, fortunately, uh, with a lot of practice, you can usually see through it. Is that kind of like the uh, that test that Philip K. Dick invented for Blade Runner? Well, it was for do androids dream of electric sheep where they test, uh -huh. you, test you to see if you're human or not. Um, well, that, that test is probably better, much better than the psychopath checklist, just because of the, the voice comp, you know, with that little, uh, thing that flips up and monitors your eyes to show the eye reflection or whatever. Bloyd Renner is actually one of my favorite movies. So you kind of got me there, but, <laughs> um, it's, it's a list of questions that, uh, or, or it's a checklist actually of, of certain behavior, certain traits 
that uh, indicate psychopath. Now, the thing the thing that's really tricky with uh, narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, the, the the words themselves, is there are many. I don't want to say many interpretations and meanings, but um, certainly with narcissists, there's we all have a certain level of narcissism, and there's healthy narcissism and unhealthy narcissism, and um, when you start getting to unhealthy narcissism, that's uh, in the DSM, which is the psychology kind of Bible, uh, labels that the people who fall under clinical narcissism as cluster B. It's uh, there's cluster A, because you know for uh, people with schizophrenia or whatever. But anyway, cluster B has histrionic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder and uh, antisocial personality disorder. And, and actually, I skipped borderline personality disorder. Now, what got me on this, and you know, as we mentioned, was my friend. And uh, what happened was, is I had a friend who just kind of disappeared. And um, they were living a couple states away. And uh, I said, you know, I'm going to go visit my friend because I want to know what the heck's going on, because why are they disappearing? This is not a shy person. Yeah, exact opposite of a shy person. And I went there and I and I, it was like my friend had PTSD and was just a frazzled version of themselves. And what had happened was, is they were in caught in a sociopath's web. And I don't I I didn't know that initially. I didn't I don't use that term lightly, but um as he started telling me the things that were being told by the sociopath about my friend, I was like, oh my God, these are like the, the serial killers you hear about on TV. I mean, who could be completely and totally, utterly shameless like that? You know, and I didn't, no, I didn't, I thought I knew a lot about psychology and I love Sherlock Holmes. So I thought I knew all about, you know, psychopaths and this and that. I yeah. didn't know anything. I was just, I, I, you know, it's all, it was just everything I, almost everything I thought I knew was wrong. And like the first search I did was, you know, I searched on uh, psychopath and I found this thing that said, George W. Bush is a psychopath. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, he's got some issues and I'm not a fan. There's, but- yeah, there's so much hyperbole with the word psychopath. And I, I'm sure that I have personally misused the word psychopath literally thousands of times in my life where somebody's an asshole and I call him a psycho. And, you know, is that you is that kind of is that kind of what you mean too though? Like when someone's like yes, it, George Bush is a psychopath, but really he, he's just that. I mean, he might be a piece of shit, yeah. but it's not the same thing as the, like the the mental disorder itself, right? Well, you see, just back to the spectrum, the the you know the histrionic and the narcissistic personality disorder, um, and that's one of the most important things to understand is narcissism exists like so many things on a spectrum. And it goes from the people who have a little bit of little too much ego to the psychopath. That's the one end to the other end. And in between are all the, you know, is the histrionics or the, the pathological narcissists. Um, and and, and all the, there, there's clinical, meaning those people that are determined to have those particular issues by a psychiatrist or psychologist um, through the testing of like the, 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 the test I mentioned by Dr. Robert Hare, you know, you, you would test somebody, but if they ask them certain questions and or check off certain behaviors, and that would prove that they're, or at least highly indicate they are a psychopath. But um, you may have been more right than you realized in a whole bunch of people. 
Oh, <laughs> um, because what was most one of the most shocking things to me when I was doing my studies was uh, somewhere they most experts say, well, I shouldn't say most, but majority of experts say that one to four percent of every population is a psychopath. So that means at minimum, one out of every hundred people you meet is a psychopath. Yeah. And. Um, just one of the other things that I really battled, you know, and, and so, but at first I was like, they're wow. You know, we got 300 million people or, you know, whatever it is now, 330, 340. And that's a heck of, that's three point something million psychopaths, even if we're going on the low end. And that's not including the histrionics, the sociopaths, the borderlines, and all the other types of pathological narcissists. And by pathological narcissists, I mean, there's there's a lot of popular terms like malignant narcissist and uh, certain certain others. I like pathological because that means pathological is your a compulsive maladaptive behavior that you can't control. It's your way of being like a and like a pathological liar, which is I think what most people will be very familiar with. Is exactly. someone who lies who cannot help it; they can't stop from doing it. And the majority of them are in this range you know you if you come across a pathological liar you know they're they're lying you know like i said as dr harris said they put on a mask every morning and say it's showtime and the re and they lie because they can't deal with their reality and the main cause of most of these issues is childhood trauma and one of the best things i read was the child of a narcissist self-esteem is under attack from the day they're born and that just blew me away because my friend, after having some discussions, we realized the father was a narcissist. And so my friend was groomed to serve a narcissist. And that's why they were such easy prey to a sociopath, because it's, it's kind of like one of the things I'm, uh, I've written about is, did you ever see the movie Chronicles of Riddick? Do you remember that one? Uh, I love the movie Chronicles of Riddick. I'm a huge, I'm a okay. huge Diesel fan, my man. Good, good, good. Because I have, I have a friend, who, a good friend, who just despises Vin Diesel. So I, I try not to bring. A that lot of people despise Vin Diesel. I don't give a <laughs> shit. His movies entertain the shit out of me, man. He's great. Exactly. I, I'm the same way. But I'm not watching movies. I don't need movies to be. I don't need every single movie to be profound. And Vin Diesel does a great job of making me just happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I found some profound parts of Chronicles of Riddick. So <laughs> the, and, and what it, what it was, was I don't know if you remember the scene where I think they're in the, the hell planet and they have to battle a bunch of people to get, you know, go on the surface or go. So whatever, whatever it was, they were there's And he was with his his, his apprentice, Jack, the you know, the, the the young woman who he taught how to be a, a, a you know, a true fighter. Yeah, they're, and, they're escaping the 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 galaxy's most inescapable prison. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they have to go just before the big battle. They, they, I, I can't remember exactly the line was there, but they go, should we play our favorite game? Who's, who's the better killer? Oh yeah. And I, that's a really, I think a really good way that's helped me conceptualize the different levels of narcissists is who's the better narcissist. And um, I just wrote about this when, when it came to Putin and that he's Russia's best narcissist. So whenever two, a, a, a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath, whoever they all meet, they instantly decide who's the better narcissist. 
And that uh, the other ones will defer to them because they know their game inside and out. They know all their tricks because it's pathological. And they're all, they're not, this, uh, there's all, obviously many subtle differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. And one of the main ones is because being great storytellers, being able to lie with ease and comfort and have no shame about it. Now, certainly the, the lower end ones, the histrionics, have sh a lot of shame. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I almost don't even want to talk about them because I never really focused on them. Uh, my main focuses were, you know, narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths. But, and the borderline people, um, they actually seem to have some chance of uh, improvement because they realize their lives are kind of, uh, how should I say, they're, they're not helping themselves. They actually are so, so have some self-awareness that they need to improve their lives so they won't be so miserable. I would say I've actually, I've, I have known people in my, personally known people in my life who I think uh, definitely uh, have been like, you know, they, they have a lot of the, the uh, symptoms and characteristics mm -hmm. of, a, of a narcissist to the point where it's like very pathological, very fucked up. But at the same time, they're in there, you know, they're, and they don't want it. They don't want it to be that way. And they actually do have a desire to change or a desire to, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure to put this into words, you know, like a, a, a desire to heal. Yeah, sense. no, no, absolutely. <clears throat> um, because, and, and see the, the child of a narcissist is, uh, a, a term I, found, I came across is called as a co-narcissist, you know, kind of like a child of an alcoholic or, you know, be, is, you know, is trained to serve the alcoholic and the co-narcissist, they, because they have their realities distorted by the person who's taught them, who's groomed them to serve them, uh, they have a lot of narcissistic, narcissistic characteristics, but in a loving environment, they can heal, they can change, they can be normal, good people. And I actually, at one point, uh, realized that I had a couple of my closest friends, like the one I'm mentioning, uh, had pretty strong narcissistic tendencies. And I, and I had to ask myself, what is it about me that some of my closest friends are fairly narcissistic? And um, what, I, what I came to realize, at least in my circumstance, is that I have some very eccentric people in my family. <laughs> And um, like my 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 grandfather was late to all four of his own weddings. Uh, oh he, my god! He was even late to his. He didn't even make it to his own funeral. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I was a little boy, he, he was. But he was a brilliant person, and he was the had the biggest heart in the whole world, and he just cared so much. And he had his own newspaper, and he did so many great things. But you know, he just he was not a normal person. <laughs> He he did not live in in the real, reality you and I live in or most people. And I would I as a kid, I would joke that I go, well, the shortest units of time my grandfather knows are sun and moon, you know, because we'd have to tell him to something, you know, if, if a dinner was at six o'clock, we'd tell him it was at two o'clock and he would still be two hours late. I've know? known people like that my entire <laughs> life as well. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my favorite memory of my grandfather, though, and, and maybe not favorite, but it's a funny one, is when I was a little boy, he'd drive, drive around with him and because he'd, he'd work for 48 hours straight getting his newspaper out and we'd drive around and I'd go, wake up, grandpa, the light's green. <laughs> <laughs> but 
anyway, and, and I have my one of my dear cousin is is just a brilliant person. And she also uh, is very similar to him. At, but she is the most kindest, caring person. But anyway, so the point is, is that um, I was used to non-normal behavior in good people. And yeah. so there are a lot of people that have maybe strong narcissistic tendencies, but in their heart of hearts, they're good people or they can get there. And that's the difference between the type of people uh, that we're going to talk about, which are people that are pathological. And the thing is, is there's at this time, there is there is no cure. There is no treatment now. Uh, lots of psychologists and psychologists sell people on treatments and you can you can help people at the margins. Um, but, you know, it, at least for the psychopaths, it's a brain deformity. Their conscience, the part the part where you feel emotions does not light up. It does not work. You know, they do brain scans. And um, I don't uh, I don't want to derail us. Right. right no, no, here, no, but, go, I, go. But, I, but I wanted to ask just just because you brought up. Uh, uh, two kind of very, very extremely different types of people. And when you're saying like displaying narcissistic uh, tendencies to a certain extent, and I just wanted to like, just a, a quick clarification, because like, like you said, we're going to go into this later and talk about people like Vladimir Putin. And, you know, that's, that's one full extreme. And then you brought up like, you know, someone like your grandfather, who was actually a great guy, but also, you know, could forget about other people from time to time. Right. And I think uh, earlier you said you don't like to use the term malignant narcissist, mm. but I think that's the reason why people started adding that adjective to it was, to, is that, am I right? To like, to give you like a very, to delineate it <clears throat> from, <clears throat> let's say like just, you know, you're run to the mill, someone who's very self-obsessed, uh, maybe forgets about other people. And then someone, I mean, when I first started hearing that term, that was obviously during the Trump administration and to describe Trump, where it's like someone who truly, like his narcissism is like harmful to others. Is that? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um, well, I personally, to me, Trump is the poster child for narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, if you look at the checklist of, of what, it, what is on narcissistic personality disorder, uh, he checks everyone so clearly it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just like, how does everybody not see this? And malignant narcissist, I've learned to be okay with the term malignant narcissist because at first it was used all the time and I didn't like it. Now, first, my first initial reaction was, well, it's not in the DSM, but then neither, neither is psychopath. Psychopath yeah. used to be in the DSM, but they changed it from psychopathic personality disorder to antisocial personality disorder, which I really don't like because that, you know, I know plenty of people that are not social and it almost it's like almost like a, you know, a nice way of putting it or something. It's like, oh, you know, and and the best thing I heard was a, a young woman who was autistic. And she said, I hate that term because, you know, I'm not very social and I don't show expression on my face, but I have emotions. Yeah. Um, and, and so people think I'm a psychopath, but I'm, uh, you know, it's, and, and, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm just shy and antisocial, but I'm not a psychopath. And, yeah. and the, with the malignant narcissist, the reason it, it took me a long time to, to, to be okay with it. Cause I used to argue with you, well, it's not the DSM. Um, but what I, I realized what it finally, what finally, and malignant narcissist is sort of, there's another. Are you, have you ever heard of dark triad? 
I have not. Term? Okay. Well, dark triad is a combination, and actually tetrad is four things. So it uh, is an increase of the dark triad, which is a combination of Machiavellianism, uh, psychopathy, psychopath, uh, narcissism, and sadism. That's the uh, sadism, I believe, is the one that was made to the tetrad. Um, and, and that's a pretty popular term. And it, a malignant it's narcissist. It's like a John Wayne Gacy or something. Is that kind of like. Yeah, 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 um, certainly. I mean, uh, but uh, malignant narcissism or narcissist is, is pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. Now, but neither of those, again, are in the in the textbook, so to speak, although they are used a lot and becoming more popular. And, you know, I, I, I'm not I don't want to I stop trying to fight the terms, although I liked I liked our tribe. But the point is, I, what I finally realized that the issue with malignant narcissists I had was is it underval it, it, it makes it sound like people who have narcissistic personality disorder aren't malignant. And I, I, cause I went back and forth to people about it and malignant uh, means progressively gets worse. And that is what happens with pathological narcissists because there is no cure. There is no treatment other, the, other than teaching them to not be so greedy because it's in their own self-interest. I, th I think, uh, Maybe I, why for, for me, it seemed like a useful term <clears throat> is because obviously the term malignant narcissist implies that there is no such thing as a benign narcissist. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you and I had uh, discussed earlier before we were before the podcast. And that's uh, going back to, you know, into the into the fictional world, because you know, this is the, the, the place where everyone's going to like really know the most. And then that's, we were talking about Han Solo, right? Like is Han Solo a benign narcissist or is he just, you know, like just a, you know, cause he, clearly he does care about people, but on the surface, it seems like he doesn't care about anybody or, or, or very, I mean, very hard to say, I'm, I'm going to leave it to you, but I mean, you okay, well, he doesn't, he doesn't care about anyone but himself. I told, I totally cheated. And I watched after we talked, I watched the solo movie. I did a bunch of kind of refreshers out, you know, and I'm I'm a, I'm a Star Wars. I don't want to say fanboy. Fine. We'll, we'll say that word. Um, I've, I've listened to just about every uh, audio book, which I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can say I read them if you listen to an audio book, but <laughs> I, I can was reading. <laughs> OK, yeah. well, good. I, I, I like to. But I just, you know, I try to be honest with it. And, you know, every movie, every I, I love the Clone Wars, I love Rebels, I love the Bad Batch. I mean, you name it. I love it. And so I wanted to you know, really kind of dig down a little bit into some of the characters we discussed about discussing. Yeah. And uh, there's, you know, there's videos on YouTube about, you know, some of this, some of this stuff with Han. And one of the thing is he, Han is a great example of the difference between say, uh, you know, as you put it, abrasive self-confidence and actual narcissism or unhealthy narcissism. Yeah. Because what, and again, remember our Han watching Solo again reminded me of Han's childhood trauma. He was raised as a street rat in Corellia. Um, yeah. He had to fake it till he made it. I mean, he was with Lady Proxima and, and, and had to steal for her so she could have shelter and protection. So he grew up with all this trauma 
uh, you know, I mean, I, well, obviously it's that would you assume there's a lot of trauma in that. But he, but he had his girl Kira, you know, the one played by Emilia Clark. Uh, I don't know if you saw the solo movie and they, oh, they I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, they loved each other and he truly cared about her and she truly cared about him. And that's what I found in my, my studying Han a little deeper and some comments I saw online was that Han's about his friends. He wants to be accepted. He wants to have a family. You know, he's, he, yeah, he w- was all about himself, but he had to be because that was the only way he was able to survive. And that's what, you know, his childhood trauma taught him. But he really did care about Kira. He loved her. He wanted to be with her. And then later when that didn't work out, you know, he, he had love with, you know, Luke and Leia and Chewie. And, you know, Chewie taught him empathy. You know, he had the capacity for empathy and caring, whereas, you know, the people, these the pathological narcissists do not. They, you know, they, you know, they truly only, it's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, that's, okay. I guess like that's what, I guess, what we, and this is what we were trying to uh, maybe get a, a point across with was that i mean there is also just the term egotistical right and you know han is it must at least be said that han solo is an egotistical dude right well yeah i mean certainly but i mean to me it's it's kind of it's it, it's it's that fake it till you make it kind of thing that he had to live with and you know and, and his charm and his charisma helped him get away with things and handle things so he has certain commonalities with narcissists but he's he's got a good heart and he cares about other people and he has empathy and and uh you know but he knows that he has to bullshit and work it and play the system because that's you know that's the way he was raised his whole life and so that's you know that's sort of where the worm turns is in your childhood in the with the trauma is do you have those capacities and do you have someone who teaches you empathy that's a big deal too, because that was one of the things I realized with my friend was uh, a grandparent taught them empathy, and and that's why they wouldn't go full dark side. So to, you know, if we're going yeah. on the Star Wars theme, and that's kind of where you know, like I said, where it turns is, um, are you so broken? Are you so traumatized that you become shattered and you become one of these types of narcissists? And or did you have the um, uh, uh, how can I say the genetics and the brain to already get you there? And just one one real quick thing is um, Dr. James Fallon. I don't know you may may or may not heard of him. He studies brain. He's a brain researcher, and he studied the brains of psychopaths. And he they would do imaging, and they would find that the, the part of the brain for empathy or emotions did not turn on. It was actually the language part of the brain that turned on. And after a while, he was searching through some, some folders and he found out that he himself had the brain of a psychopath. He oh, had wow. a, he had a brain like John Wayne Gacy. Like he goes, I saw this brain that was one of the worst psychopaths I'd ever seen. And then I removed the label and it was mine from the test group. And so he's really fascinating in talking about these types of things. And what he talks about is I my family gave me a lot of love. They were very accepting. They were very, you know, um, you know, they, they, but my mom also knew to keep me out of trouble and to look out for me and to tell my teachers to X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, he found an outlet that was good for him 
to you know to use he was a brilliant man a lot of psychopaths are actually very highly intelligent and that's pretty much why i was sure trump was never a psychopath but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also this uh, what you just brought up that's a, a very good explanation for how there can be like statistically if you're going to say one in a hundred people are psychopaths but one in a hundred people are not john wayne gacy or or ed kemp or one of these types of like serial killers because that's a that's the dark triad right you got to have these other components that's going to make you go out and start committing like heinous acts of uh like violence towards others right absolutely but the the key and this is more what fallon and many others talk about is that um for you it's a combination uh now it's a combination of the brain you know if you have the brain of a psychopath you have the you know you have you have no you don't feel things really that much other than the anger is something apparently it's very felt but it's very it's very primal and um the other is there's these uh, uh gene variants called alleles which i've tried to understand but it, basically it's your genes so there's your brain your genes and abuse and early on, I was like, oh, so that's what happens when somebody becomes a serial killer, when they're badly abused and they already have the predisposition of a psychopath's brain uh, yeah. and or the alleles I've just been learning about. And so, it, again, it goes back to that childhood trauma. You know, I don't I don't know if you ever watched the show Dexter. But, you know, Dexter's dad. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I saw I've seen Dexter. Yeah. Uh, Dexter's dad gave him a code. Now, yeah. you know, that's that's an idealized version, I, I assume, of now it's tricky because sociopath and psychopath are often used interchangeably. And for the longest time, I battled to try to understand what's the difference or what are they talking about? Yeah, I'm, and, I'm really curious, too, because I have always I always thought that sociopath meant you were incapable of feeling empathy or caring what other people feel. Is that I mean, I thought, I thought yes. that was definition. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and same with so same with psychopaths. So, the, oh, so they both have that. The definition is practically the same in that sense. Yes. Well, let, here, I'll this this will hopefully this was what helped me clear it up and um, and, and how I de, how I delineate it. But there is a lot. There's overlap too. a psychopath is born, you know, with that brain deformity and and or the genetic disposition. Sociopaths are made by their environment. And they become a virtual psychopath. Their oh, behaviors, wow. yeah. their behaviors, and their traits are very similar. Although the psych, the psychopath, like going back to Riddick, is the ultimate narcissist because they they don't have any. They're not built by their trauma. You know, their their brains was already there, and maybe they got a bunch of trauma, but they were there. They were born that way. Yeah. And you know, they can be taught a code and how to use their you know the way they are for for good. But um, like with James Fallon, when he went to his family and they said, are you did, did you know I was I was this way? And they said, oh, yeah, we told you you were you were. And he goes, no, you told me I was crazy. And I go, no, well, we knew you're a psychopath because you're you're selfish, you're you're manipulative and you're you're kind of greedy. But be you're funny and you don't hurt people. And and that's see, that's another thing that, again, with Han is they have a lot of superficial charm. And, a yeah. lot, you know, because they're all because they're their real world. So the psychopaths know that they need to hide because they know they're different. They sense they're just like with Dexter. You know, Dexter yeah. knows he needs to put on a mask to pretend he's a normal person and he hides who he really is. Sociopaths, they do, but they're they're 
they're not it's not as natural for them because they've been built by the trauma now again that you know there, there's some pre you know because of the brain and the genes there are certain predispositions but uh so which would cause some overlap here or there and um but uh <clears throat> um you know it, the how can i say this kind of lost my train of thoughts <laughs> that's cool i was actually going to interject a question anyway okay good go was that uh so what you're saying is the only way you could tell the difference if you had a, if you had a sociopath and a psychopath in the same room they're behaving the exact same way they have they have the same traits the only way you can tell which is which would be a cat scan like to it's literally scan their brain fmri i believe it is uh, that's the one dr fallon used and uh what they do is they show people um images of just horrific images of like pet violence and human violence and just the you know the most scariest creepiest things and you know for you and i the part of our brain where our emotions are lights up and for a psychopath it doesn't light up at all okay. it's just it, the language part of their brain lights up it's 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 just so the, the so they're not exactly the same and that's that's the trick of it is is, is they're very similar but sociopaths are considered to be more erratic, less planning, less thinking. They're just more reactionary, whereas, yeah. whereas psychopaths are more methodical and precise. But at the same time, the, there's a really good uh, something that's helped me kind of like the difference between Trump and DeSantos is um, the difference between, say, an organized psychopath and an unorganized psychopath. Now, I'm not saying Trump's a psychopath. <laughs> Yeah. I might be saying the other guy is, but uh, they, um, sorry, I was thinking maybe like uh, maybe DeSantis appears to be more calculated. And no, absolutely. Um, and actually, I'm going to I'm going to be writing. I, I've written one article about DeSantis uh, from a political lens, and I was shortly writing one about the uh, psychological lens. And I have not seen any indication that DeSantis isn't a psychopath. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I'll write about and uh, I haven't really shared, but I'll, I'll happy to share with you is that um, I studied him for over a month and I watched, you know, video, audio, read things. And the one of the main tells and you'll see this in movies with, you know, all kinds of uh, villains or whatever is he has on that mask, he smiles at the right time, he laughs at the right times, but as soon as the moment's over, dead flat. His yeah. face is completely flat, he has no affect, and that is a sign of a psychopath. Also a sociopath too, a narcissist, because they don't really care, but, but specifically him, as I like to say, if you've been greedy and evil your entire life, and you show no, have no emotions on your face, you might be a psychopath. <laughs> um, they fake it well. That's the trick is, you know, they mimic it really well. We had, uh, moving forward to, uh, we were going to bring up, because uh, we're already getting into like a lot of these uh, real life narcissists and we're definitely going to get back into it, especially Vladimir. Right. We just get back to the fun stuff. But yeah, but but yeah, I want to hop back into the fun stuff again, real quick, because we were talking. This is a this is a question that I just asked you uh, before, and I want to bring it up again. And that is obviously we both are uh, we're both fans of Stan Lee and you know his creations, and he's and he's created a lot of very interesting characters. But one of the things I thought was very great with what he's created with X Men is you know the villains that are not 
they're not strictly narcissists or psychopaths. And I think we were going to bring up like Magneto or because it, with the X-Men, you have almost always you have uh, heroes that are not all good and you have villains that have compelling reasons to be villains. They're not villains for the you know sheer sadism for like, for instance, Magneto. He's more like you said, he's more of a freedom fighter. I don't know if you wanted to kind of like expand a little bit on like that realm of villainy. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, you know, when we, when we talked and I, I mentioned, well, pretty much all villains are narcissists, sociopaths and psychopaths. And you mentioned Magneto and I, I want to thank you because you made me rethink what I'd said. And uh, that's why I like to type, spend some time thinking about things so I can really get it down and, you know, and digging a little deeper, you know, Stan Lee's main motivation for Magneto and, and, and Dr. Xavier were Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. You know, and I initially, as I mentioned, as villains go, he didn't really seem like a narcissist, sociopath or psychopath because he, you know, he again, back to the childhood trauma. He was, you know, he watched his parents die or, well, different. it depends which Magneto we're talking about because there's many different versions. Yeah, there's so a lot of different story arcs. We can go by the canon of the films where his family died in the Holocaust. If we would Yes, well, that. I'm going to. I cheated and watched those movies too because <laughs> <laughs> um, I love them. But uh, um, yeah, no, he, he, you know, in the first ones he watched his you know, family get taken away. And then actually, in, I watched first class after and in, in, in the, in the, the bad scientist, scientist who was testing him actually brought his mother in and shot her in front of him because he wouldn't make the metal move. Yeah. And so, but even if whatever, even if it was just, you know, your parents died in the Holocaust and you were stuck in a concentration camp. Um, I mean, the, the, the amount of childhood trauma is just massive, obviously. And um, there was one good line when uh, uh, he it was in first class when he was uh, he was hunting down some Nazis and, and they said, who are you? And he goes, let's just say I'm Frankenstein's monster and I'm looking for my creator. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, and, and, but as time, as I watched more, yes, he's a freedom fire. Yes. He has great reasons. Yes. He is caring for his people and he's not all about himself, but at the same time, it, the line is so thin based on what he does, because yeah. even in the first one, he was going to have, you know, Xavier kill all the humans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know they because uh, they you know the the, the humans were going to have them kill all the mutants and then he switched it to well, fine let's kill all the humans and and like even even when uh he was you know they teamed up and and he was and he you know he was gonna he was gonna kill rogue to use that machine to turn everybody into mutants or all the the world leaders into mutants and then later you know i don't remember next one or two and he sees rogue and he says i love what you've done with your hair and she's, he's just messing with her, just psychologically yeah. messing with her. And that's he has good reasons. He has good, you know, because of the trauma he's, you know, and, and the, uh, you know, the humans are trying to eliminate all the mutants. I mean, but, he is an extremist, but right. he, he lives exactly. in a, I mean, in a world where how could you not be an extremist? Like they're trying right. to they're literally trying to exterminate all mutants. And yeah. I mean. And, he, and so, happens, he just so happens to be the second most powerful mutant on the planet 
<laughs> but I guess, you know, th this is a difficult thing to bring up because I guess because there are so many X-Men storylines. It's been around since the 1960s. I want I think we should I think it would be best to stick with uh, the movies just because that's what yep. most people are yep. familiar with. But I do want to bring up the series, uh, The Death of Professor Xavier, where mm -hmm. Professor X is killed by his own son. And after that occurs, Magneto becomes the leader. He takes Professor X's role as leader right. of the X-Men. Like right, that, right. that one major event changes him completely. Right. Like I said, we were talking about a fictional character who's lived hundreds of different storylines. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. It's it's tricky. But, you know, he the, the, the I guess the one other interesting thing that kind of came to mind was he is repeating the trauma of his childhood in yeah. that he now believes that the mutants are the superior race. Like, yeah. you know, the Nazis were telling him about being Jewish and and that humans are worthless, just like the Nazis were doing to him. And but like you said, he was not completely, you know, he he had capacity for empathy. He cared about, you know, his own people. He wasn't just doing things only for himself. And that's again, that's a big difference between narcissists, sociopaths and psychopaths. But at the same time, based on his trauma, maybe with his, you know, he might have you know, genetic, you know, he has one genetic variation. He might have another one yeah. <laughs> where he's more susceptible based on the trauma that he went through. Hold up. It's time for an ad. Get ready for a brand new music compilation from your favorite fast casual restaurant slash grocery store supplier. That's right. Walk down the frozen aisle in style with the new CD. Now that's what I call California Pizza Kitchen, Volume 1, with your favorites such as California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. And California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. California. In the city, city of CPK. In the city, city of CPK. Out on Bell, fresh it up, chill. California pizza. As soon as I hit the streets, all I see is kitchens. And classics like California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza. California Pizza. And who could forget California Pizza Kitchen? Welcome to the California Pizza Kitchen. It's a CPK. It's a CPK. And just pay an extra $9.99 plus shipping and handling for the deluxe version California Pizza Kitchen CPK. And also, and deep cuts such as California Pizza Kitchen, 
Order today to save ten ninety nine today and pay only shipping and handling for your copy of Now That's What I Call California Pizza Kitchen, Volume 1. And now back to the interview. And like the next person we probably talk about is, is Anakin Skywalker, Skywalker, Darth Vader. Yeah. And then how he had the potential to go from being a sweet little kid to the most you know, one of the most evil guys in the galaxy to being redeemed by his son. Um, because, you know, they were, were, or at least, you know, they often talk about how um, uh, uh, Luke sacrificed himself in the kind of the Jesus role, willing to sacrifice himself to, you know, for his father's, for his father's soul. But um, so, I mean, and that's, that's, that's what's when, when someone is clinical, when someone is just locked into this, they're not they're the likelihood of them changing is very very minute but for people who have been triggered abused manipulated um you know have massive trauma there there are chances at redemption there are chances at you know coming back from it yeah and uh, so the other kind of what you're saying too with uh with magneto and with uh during the world war ii era and all that stuff had he been born in let's say new hampshire instead of germany everything about him could have almost certainly would have been different absolutely and he I mean, almost certainly would have been an ally to professor x and never would have been the uh leader of the brotherhood of evil mutants or you know what i how, depending on which uh comics you're looking at yeah, considering the way Stryker and some of our our guys were treating the mutants, he might have ended up there as well. Just yeah. not as not but not as traumatized, not as bitter, not as you know. I mean, the the, the well, having to watch your mother get shot in front of you is is pretty traumatic, and you know the the obviously like I said, concentration camps obviously very traumatic. And he you know he might have been a bit more more militant, but just not so extreme that he was going to kill all the humans who yeah. were trying to kill him. Yeah, like a some truly becoming like genocidal, and right. actually, shit, that's a, a good segue because I could say I, I really could uh, try to get you to talk about X Men with me all day, and <laughs> but uh, you're you just finished an article on Vladimir Putin uh, profiling him, and this is I guess uh, would you say that Vladimir Putin is another example like? like a very like poster child style example of a pathological narcissist. Yes. Um, I, now the tricky thing is, is um, what, what we actually, what's actually true about Putin and what we actually know about him are not as easy to be a hundred percent certain of. Yeah. But um like one, he what he grew up in St. Petersburg and post the post war were the Nazis, and his two older brothers were killed. And I mean, there's this fairly well known stories about him, and I, I'm taking them that they're they're accurate. Um, one of his brothers, you know, was just tossed in a mass grave. He never met his oldest brother. Um, 
his they were uh, they were killed by the Nazis in World War II. I believe so. Well, a, the, a siege by the Nazis of Saint Petersburg. Oh, they they just died of starvation. Well, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly. I mean, the Nazis were the cause of their death one way or another. Yeah, for sure. And um, he was the only surviving child. And so he was very much uh, uh, praised, praised by his parents or loved by his parents because he was the only surviving child. But he, in his own words, had said that they were never very emotional and they were never very close. And these are sort of, you know, we'll just say tell, you know, potential signs, you know, of, of someone you know, who has a predisposition to this type of narcissism or pathological narcissism, because if you're not, you know, if you're not naturally, you know, remember the no affect, no emotions, no feeling that uh, that's an indicator. And then he also, um, it was also very small and he was uh, apparently bullied a lot. And also that where he lived was apparently a very poor, rough neighborhood where he got beat up a lot or at least bullied a lot. And that's why he took judo because he stayed small while the other guys stayed big and he needed to protect himself. But again, it goes back to that childhood trauma. Yeah. And um, he uh, like uh, one of, one of the guys who was in his inner circle um, was, was dating a woman named Alexandra Tolstoy, who is, you know, related to the famous Tolstoy. And uh, she recently came out and she said, you know, I don't know, didn't know him personally, but everybody in that group was a massive narcissist. And she, she herself said that she thought Putin had narcissistic personality disorder. I would lean towards sociopath, um, but it, it, it's a, a narcissistic personality disorder is just a slightly less cracked sociopath. Okay. And so, I mean, the, it, again, it's on that spectrum and it just, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't have, the, the, the differences are very small at least in my, in my opinion. And, you know, that's, again, that's why I, I struggle with malignant narcissists because to me, they're all malignant. They all get progressively worse. They all are malignant. They all do, you know, unless they can find, you know, have that love and whatever. And even then they still often have it. Unless they're like Dexter and like their dad's ghost comes back and visits them constantly to give them uh, sage advice. Yeah, Dexter confused me because Dexter was said it was a sociopath and I he his his behavior was more psychopath in, in my view. But like so many things in TV, um, they don't. Uh, sorry about that. Like so many things in TV, they don't uh, uh, often get it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or and, and it's not that not that I know for sure. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a it's a fictional character, um, but it was. You know, because they, they, they show, you know, again, Dexter's childhood trauma of, you know, as a baby being in his own mother's blood and all that, you know, uh, when, when they when she got killed. And, you know, that was the reasoning for him being the way he was. But he was such a good planner. He was so zero affect. Um, he just he seemed a lot more like a, a psychopath to me. But it, 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 it doesn't it's you know, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter what it is because it's just, you know, fictional. But oh, I, um, I, I think I was just trying to get to the the idea of the foil that the dad plays where Dexter is a sociopath or a psychopath. He's going to, he's going to kill either way. He's got to kill. That's for some reason he has this uh, need to do that, but he has like, he has guidance from a, he respects, you know, he has a guide 
and I guess what we're talking about when we talk about someone like Vladimir Putin, who could influence someone like that, especially now? I mean, who who right. could possibly influence what he what he's almost certainly the richest man in the world, whatever Elon Musk may say. Yeah, no, nobody can influence him. The only, the only thing that influence he's all about himself, his own fear needs whatever everything you know so many people say well he he cares about mother russia and he doesn't care he doesn't care at all he <laughs> cares about what he wants and what and to keep himself in power and to keep himself and and you know doing well and you know he's got all the money he needs and it's all you know because he didn't he didn't care about money you know anymore because what do you what do you care when you got gazillions of dollars you know and he you know he his he's so he, he is so good at, at how he set himself up that, you know, my initial thought was he's he's a psychopath or, you know, but in my article, I I kept writing sociopath slash psychopath because I couldn't, I, you know, it seems like socially he was conditioned to be that way, but it, there's likely that he had the brain issues or whatever to uh, to get there anyway. But and then but then on top of that, Russia is such Russia's never known really democracy. You know, the first czar was Ivan the Terrible. Yeah. And he was really terrible. He was a really mean, bad man. And almost every Russian, you know, Russia's never known democracy. They've never known, you know, their people are just, they're pretty much been slaves with with, with serfdom and then communism and, and it was absolute rule. And, you know, they've, they've been so conditioned to deal with lies and bullshit. I mean, they were living 1984 in real life. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you ever heard this, but uh, when the Soviet union fell, all the, one of the main questions, all so many Russian people wanted to know was how did Orwell get it so right when he was never here? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and he did i mean it was that's what they were living it and that's why you know putin can get away with so much because that's what the russian people in many ways are used to i mean they're used to a czar who just treats you know pumps up their egos and treats you know tells them how wonderful they are and how great everything is and it's everybody else's fault you know play the victim blame the victim these are all characteristics of narcissists sociopaths and psychopaths you know and, and that's kind of when I, I eventually came down to it is whether someone is clinically a narcissist, sociopath or psychopath or not, but they act that way all the time and the effects they put into society are that way all the time. What's the difference? What yeah. does it matter? Yeah. It doesn't matter because and, and but you can. And, and that's I guess that's the trick. And that's the key is when you're figuring out who's the better narcissist. You can use the psychology of narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths to better understand and predict the behavior of people be, who, even if they're not clinical, are just acting like it. It's kind of like uh, if, <clears throat> uh, even if, even if you're not a kleptomaniac, but if you steal shit every single time you go into a store, what's the difference? What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. we're just we're just splitting hairs at this point. Right. Right. Uh, when you say that uh, you you talked about this a little bit at the beginning and you just brought it up again, and I'm just curious when you're saying uh, when you've got let's say a group of people and every single one every single person in that group uh, is a narcissist, psychopath, whatever, uh, and it's and you were saying whoever is the best narcissist uh, ends up kind of the the leader or the it rises to the top of that group. 
well, for one, I'm curious how that works. And also, is that, is that kind of like a because so many people felt like Trump always deferred to Putin? Is that just because Putin's just a better? He's, he's the better narcissist. He's just yeah, just he's, just like all of Trump's followers defer to him because he's the better narcissist. Okay, and and as well as so many people in the Republican Party. I mean, you know, we met briefly mentioned DeSantis. You know, I mean, the the Republican Party in Florida has just completely slavishly submitted themselves to whatever DeSantis wants because he's the better narcissist. I guess uh, I guess how to put it like, uh, but what makes you what makes you a better good narcissist or what makes you great at being a narcissist? This again, the, the psychopath is the ultimate narcissist because they have they don't care. They have you, you, you remember the, the guy in school that, you know, had the stone cold dead eyes and you never wanted to fight that guy. Yeah. That was probably a psychopath. OK. And that is the ultimate narcissist, as long as they're an organized one, the disorganized ones, you know, there's certain, certainly there's ones that are, you know, less have it together, but the ones that are fairly, you know, reasonably intelligent and fairly organized by some code or whatever it is, you do not want to mess with that person unless you are completely ready to take them on. And no, the sociopath knows that the psychopath is superior to them. Um, and this, I mean, the psychopath, like, Another person that seems an awful like like the psychopath is Stephen Miller. And, you yeah. know, Stephen, Stephen Miller just knew how, you know, he just knew how to play Trump to get what he wanted, you know, to get get uh, get all the pay. You know, he was like the what was it, the, the last survivor or whatever in the, the island, of, <laughs> you know, the White House of crazy. But, um, you know, so they will, you know, they will pretend to submit. They will pretend play um but they know all the while knowing they all believe they're the better psychopath or the better narcissist i should say in their minds but but the 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 narcissist you know the sociopath that because that's that was based on trauma that's something the the psychopath doesn't doesn't really care or feel and um you know it can it can it can mold them like as we talked about into becoming a serial killer or whatever but um and the, and then the the, the 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 and since the sociopath is a virtual psychopath pathological the people with narcissistic personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder and people with just generally high narcissism they don't want to mess with that guy or a girl because they don't you know they're even more they just it's it's almost with a matter of conscience and a matter of determination. And, you know, the psychopath has no there's no flinch in them. You know, I've often thought about certain athletes that who seem like psychopaths, you know, and when that big moment on the big stage happens, they don't feel the pressure. And that's yeah. why they can perform so well. And so it's it, and that's really what it comes. I guess that's kind of what it comes down to is a level of pressure you feel or susceptible to because. The sociopath that was with, you know, just messing with my friend, I mean, completely shameless, complete, no conscience, no, you know, I mean, just, just flat affect. But I, I also know there was a lot of childhood trauma. So that, that's what led me to the sociopath aspect. And, uh, you know, whereas the narciss- narcissists, they're, they, I mean, they, they have, they're, they're really, you know, it's, it's massive insecurity. You know, and, and it's just and, and so it's level of insecurity and determination that kind of determines who's who's stronger and who's weaker. It probably uh, stands to reason that a lot of celebrities are psychotic. 
Well, oh, that's that's actually a, a really good good that you mentioned that because one of the things I realized is it's so easy to transpose or conflate psycho psycho and psychotic. Because you know, the psychopath is the person who has the brain deformity, and a psychosis is um, you know, imagining things. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I did I I I actually wrote about that and because it was I I was it, it tricked me. I mean I was I was often using those words interchangeably or wrong or whatever, and people mix them up, you know, see people someone's hallucinating, somebody will say, Oh, that's what a psycho. No, they're they're psychotic, they're not a psychopath. Yeah. And whereas and and vice versa. And so that that you know that and that's you know, that was one of the biggest things that after I was doing all my studies is how is how do I not know about this stuff? I, I love this stuff. I love psychology. I love, like I said, I watched Sherlock Holmes. I thought I knew all about it. And I learned I knew almost nothing that was correct. And it was like, how does this stuff hide in the dark? It's like it literally hides in the dark. And I would it, see these poems. It doesn't help us too much, I guess, in, in pop culture, how these words get become interchangeable. Like, I mean, starting probably before this, but starting very one of the biggest examples is like Alfred Hitchcock's movie Psycho. Hmm. So that's, you know, people just start using the short shorthand term. They just start saying people are psychos, not psychopaths. And then uh, movie, you know, Christian Bale and American Psycho. And then uh, just, yeah, and, and it almost becomes like slang, you know. Well, there, there is overlap. I mean, certainly psych, psychopaths can be psychotic. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And psychotic people can act psychopathic. Um, and it's just the, you know, like one of the, one of the things that I, I came to realize the most was when I, I started talking about a lot of the stuff in 2014 on, on Twitter and, and, uh, and people kept saying, well, do you have a psychology degree? It's a psych or psychiatry degree. And I, I'd say no. And I said, well, you know, I studied this because, you know, for a couple of years to help a friend and they go, well, you can't say anything if you don't have a degree. And, but there, I don't know if you may or may not know, I've heard of the Goldwater rule I and the gold. The Goldwater Rule is 19, 1964. Barry Goldwater ran for president. Uh, he lost to, I can't I think it was Johnson. And uh, anyway, uh, Psychi uh, Fact Magazine asked over a thousand psychiatrists to comment on whether he, Goldwater, was mentally or, uh, okay to be president. And uh, it was a very unscientific poll. It was, it was, it was, you know, like twenty like percent responded, but they basically came back and said that uh, he was a psychopath and uh or or something to that effect and and but anyway so he lost but he ended up suing fact magazine and won and the, the psychiatry industry was really embarrassed because it was so unscientific and such bs because you know he I mean he had his issues but he wasn't like well, george bush he was, you know he had his issues but he was not a psychopath yeah and uh anyway um so psychiatrists can are are not allowed to publicly analyze any public figure or anyone they haven't personally examined or not examined but or, or uh tested and 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 then have permission to talk about it like any psychopath would ever give the permission for their psychiatrist to talk about yeah. their their oh yeah my patient's a psychopath elect him president sure but uh um so i came to realize that was the catch-22 yeah is that okay? And by extension, psychologists aren't really supposed to talk about it either. And a lot of state boards uh, run go by the Goldwater Rule. Um, so that's how they hid in the dark so well, and especially in our politics. 
and in business and everything else, but specifically in the politics, because psychiatrists and psychiatrists and psychologists can't talk about it. And uh, ethically, and anybody who has a fair amount of knowledge, um, but doesn't have a degree is dismissed as someone who has no credibility. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> that was the, the wonderful thing about, you know, having having Bandy Lee uh, say such nice thing about a couple of my articles. <laughs> and now I can I can say, well, uh, uh, my my writing and was and theory is my band. What if there's a way? Uh, I mean, just in the way you, what you're just now describing, the, all these uh, politicians are uh, slipping through this loophole created by the Goldwater rule that makes it where uh, uh, people, yeah, like psychologists can't evaluate them publicly based on what they know with you know and then without their permission and so on and there's an ethical thing behind that but i wonder if there's a, a little loophole in the other direction for instance you can write an article and then uh you know highly respected people in the field of psychology who like that is their profession is to is to make these diagnoses to look at your writing and say this is solid does that make sense? Like, like, like absolutely. This is, this is yeah, a solid no, I, analysis. It's ba based based on the scientific evidence uh, that we have. So basically, all they're saying is that that your writing is a solid anal analysis. They're not personally saying anything wrong. So I wonder if there's just you can make, make it a a two step uh, well, process to getting maybe some more of it out there. Thank, th well, thanks. You know, thanks to Trump. You know, one of the good things about Trump is that he um, he made it so. People in the industry, a lot of people are are starting to speak out more and are starting to question the Goldwater rule and saying this makes no sense. You know, I, I just wrote an article called How Psychiatry is Failing America about this very subject and how you would think there'd be some sort of warning system that we would not want people who are sociopaths, psychopaths and narcissists be allowed to uh, be call themselves public servants when they the last thing on their mind and will never enter their mind is serving the public. They're only interested in serving themselves. And so it's, it's almost like we're, we're helping our own destruction in a way, you know, and, and um, that's why Benny Lee and the people of duty to warn and, and Mary Trump and others have spoken out so much about this because, you know, our, our democracy is on the line. Yeah. And because if you put narcissists and sociopaths, psychopaths in power, they will do what's good for them and nobody else because they don't care. They have no conscience. They have no, you know, feelings, no emotions about or empathy about anybody. Well, now we're on, now that we're on the subject. Now that we've been on culture wars for a minute, I got one thing <laughs> to tell you, Sam, and yes, that's sir. that we're dangerously close to the lightning round. Now I got to explain. We, we've we've gone over some pretty heavy shit today, and the lightning round is it's the game part of the podcast. The whole point is, I ask you a question, you got to answer it as fast as you can. No time to think. Uh, but some of these are a little complex, man. So, you know, feel free to like take a little time to think because we are doing a culture war lightning round. Appreciate Basically, it. what I'm going to do is I'm going to just bring up something from the culture war, uh, like so-and-so versus so-and-so. And you have uh, one of two things to do. If it's kind of uh, vague, you have to identify who the, who the key players are in this culture war in the first place. A lot of them are actually, no one has really proven to me who was playing the game. Or just say who's going to win. Either way, okay. pick a winner. Let's let's go ahead. Let's let's start with the with the war on Christmas. All right, who is this? Who is fighting this war, and who's going to win? 
Well, the only people fighting this war, obviously, are the conservatives trying to make Christian people feel insecure about people who aren't Christian or all into Christmas thinking that uh, we're going after their Christmas. Okay, so Christmas wins? <laughs> Christmas always wins. Yeah, Christmas uh, always wins. I, you know, as I like to say, give me a holiday and I'll celebrate it. I don't, you know, it's all good. Um, you know, it's just, it's... Actually, here, this this will answer real quick. So it was early in the Iraq war. Um, I was watching, I watched all the news I could. And so I switched to this new channel called Fox News. And uh, I said, it was one in the morning and there was this guy named Brian Wilson on and I'll never forget it. And he starts off and he says, and as we all know, our troops are doing the Lord's work in Iraq. Ugh. And I was like, wait, is this supposed to be a news show? What? <laughs> <laughs> So that's where the war on Christmas is coming from. Fucking idiots. All right. <laughs> Moving on. This is this one might be a little little more complex. Uh the war on drugs. Who's playing and who's going to win? Drugs will win. Yeah. Drugs human, won. human you know, I, I live in you know, I'm in California. You know what changed when we legalized marijuana? Nothing except you can go to the marijuana store. <laughs> All right. No, this is going to be I, I'm very curious to hear your answer on this one because we've been talking about this shithead uh, quite a bit on the podcast, and he is at war with a with an American icon slash mega corporation, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis versus Disney. Who's going to win? Mickey Mouse never bet against the Mouse House. I wouldn't fucking bet against the Mouse House either. And they own Marvel. They own mm -hmm. Star Wars. Was Ron DeSantis? He's a nobody. He's gonna he's gonna be a fucking nobody. He thinks he's gonna be the president. Yeah, he he he. That was a bridge too far. He he took that one too far. He thought that if he dick dick rode for Trump hard enough, he could take take on Disney. I don't think I don't think so either, man. I think he's gonna fucking lose. All right. Well, just just one coincidence. That's the thing about psychopaths is they're totally tone deaf. <laughs> uh, no one wants to work anymore versus work from home. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, work from home. Because if, I mean, everybody wants to work at what they want to do, Yeah, I, at least in my opinion, you know, I, I, I but, uh, you know, I mean, certainly I, I, I'm sure there are plenty, I, I can't speak for the kids who maybe want to sit around all day and, you know, play video games, but, <laughs> but that would be their job. I was a thought about it. Maybe it was like, you know, if you go back, well, and not, I mean, in some cultures, you don't have to go back. Some cultures is already, it's still like this, but if you go back for all of us, we used to live in communities like villages. And everybody kind of worked from home because everybody, everyone worked in the village. Everyone had a, a role to play, no matter what. You know, maybe you were a hunter, a gatherer. Maybe you made baskets. Maybe you uh, took care of uh, some of the, you know, some of the people in the village. I don't know. Everyone had a, a place, you know, a place and it was all at home. So maybe that's why we all want to work from home because it's uh, instinctual trying to get back to in this like hyper tech world. Uh, it's just a, an alternate reality version of that. Having no commute is pretty awesome too. So, uh, what else do we got here? Uh, I'm curious about this one, man. Millennials versus the diamond industry. I've heard uh, there's a war going on there. I actually don't know anything about that war at all. Um, ooh, um, I probably bet on millennials just because. I, I I saw a thing on 60 Minutes a long time ago that says the thing about diamonds is there's no shortage of diamonds. It's all about keeping enough in the ground to keep the price high enough. 
And that's exactly why diamonds do not deserve to win. And uh, I want to bet against them. Diamonds should be worthless or they should be worth like two or three bucks a piece. That's yeah. my, my final word on girls diamonds. should girls should have all the diamonds they want at a low cost. And uh, boys too, of course, yeah, of course, <laughs> but you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. So that's why I went with girls. Yes. All right, man. Uh, I don't know why this, you know, I don't want to end this on a depressing note, but I was just thinking about, you know, we were talking about the czars in Russia and then I was thinking about uh, the Romanovs when they were assassinated by the Marx, it wasn't the, the Bolsheviks. Mm-hmm. And it, you, it ended up taking so many bullets because there were so many diamonds sewn into their garments that it was actually acting as body armor to a certain extent. So they had to like reload several times uh, in the firing squad. Wow. I, I did not know that. I fucked up that. fact. And I don't want to end on that note. And that's why I'm going to ask you the most important question of the day, Sam. And that's this uh, dude, where can people find you? Especially if they want to read your articles, uh, check out your writing, uh, you know, everything. Uh, where can people find you, Sam? Well, it's really fun that I can just search Sam Ray, S-A-M-R-A-Y, and author, put those three words together, and it'll take you to my author bio page for Demcast, which will link all my uh, current psychological articles. Um, The one I got praised by, or the two I got praised by from Bandy Lee were uh, Narcissism is Trumpism and Trump is Flying Monkeys, Um, because I really go into the details of of uh, the psychology and how we are, where we are. And, and, uh, cause the, the narcissism and Trumpism is basically a shortened updated version of my book. And, um, cause my, my book got attacked a little bit because it was like, well, you just self-publish, you know? And, and so it was like, I need to write something that really shows that my things have value and never could I have imagined or dreamed that, uh, Bandy Lee would say nice things about it. And, and then um, on Twitter, I'm, I'm fairly active. It, my, my handle is Slippery Hero. It's one word. And uh, it comes from uh, a certain expression from another country. <laughs> it's not me thinking I'm some slippery hero. It's something completely different. And that's sort of an inside joke. But cool. uh, and uh, I will also, uh, if you guys are on Twitter, I'll link to that. Uh, I'm currently in, kicked off Twitter for the time being, but they're going to let me back on eventually. And as soon as I'm back on, I will make sure that there are, by the time this episode comes out, I should be back, back in the game. It happens to the best of us. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I violated their uh, terms of uh, whatever, but not as bad as Marjorie Taylor green did. They're going to let me back on in a little bit. One time I, I, they said I violated it and I didn't at all, but I just deleted the tweet to, you know, make, get back on. So sometimes you have to do that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam, it has been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, dude. Hey, my pleasure. Um, we certainly went all over the place, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of really great, important stuff that people can learn from understanding the psychology of narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths.